you would please turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 16. Over the next five weeks, we will look at two verses. Okay, and I think that once we step into this, you'll see why it's going to take five weeks to get through two verses. Um, powerful text. We'll read the word of the Lord, and then we will uh, ask for his instruction. Beginning in verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 16. Be on alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, and let all that you do be done in love. Wow. It's not so complicated, is it? Father, help us to hear. And Father, as the Apostle Paul gives us this text, Father, um, so many times we will come to a conclusion and we read through and read over. Father, I ask that you set our hearts, our minds, the fiber of our being to hear these words. And that, Father, as uh, they were so massive in the day of their penning, Father, may we be encouraged, strengthened, and prepared for an awesome task, an awesome responsibility. And yet, Father, you did not leave us alone. And you are with us even to the end of the age. And that, that Father, let us hear and hear with all of our being what is said here in Christ's name. Amen. If you look at chapter 16 of the letter to the Corinthians, um, it at times seems disjointed, but it's literally just broken into sections. It's very simple to look at, but it's, it's, it's just it, the, the conclusion uh, of the letter is, is broken up. First, it, he talks about the collection for Jerusalem. The second thing is, and we looked at this in the last few weeks, is doing the Lord's work. What is ministry? Doing it His way. Um, uh, because we want our ministry abounding. Okay. The third thing you have here in the original text, in the Greek language, is called imperatives. Um, it's our, we love these words. These are commands. All right. Um, I would even argue that these may be the most essential of the whole text. And I'm talking all 16 chapters. Okay. Uh, and then the fourth part is a conclusion, and he discusses certain people and certain things that are part of the church. Okay? So when you take 16, you can break it into those four sections, and it's, it's really uh, simplistic to, to kind of hang on. And, and, but now we're looking at um, verses 13 and 14, and you would look at it, and you'd say, well, that is a very short text. I mean, if you're really honest with the text, even in the original syntax, it's not a long text. <laughs> but it is seriously loaded. <laughs> okay? And, and I think that you'll see what I mean in the next week. This is a text that I call high impact. Okay? This is a text that I believe that most of us who have read 1 Corinthians, we kind of cruise over and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, five little things here, and then okay, no problem. You know, I urge you, brethren, the household of Stephanus, and, you know, and we just kind of... The important stuff's already been given. Really? 
These are five commands, five imperatives that I believe will give you powerful living. All right. And I believe that they must be remembered. And I, I believe that sometimes we get into, well, I want the gift of prophecy or, you know, third love is the 13th chapter. And that's, but you can't, you know, at first the urgency is the resurrection and all the rest of it. And we get these. And I think by the time that we get to this text, we're just kind of in a, some kind of automatic mode and we miss these. Um, and, it, and it came to me as I was kind of bringing this all together. How important is this? If think about this, of all the churches in the New Testament that Paul wrote, okay, now think about it for a second. None is in more trouble than the church in Corinth. Okay? Um, there is no church in the New Testament as sinful as the church in Corinth. Um, none had failed so badly to be what God had designed his church to be. Well, now, wait a minute. The Galatians were foolish and were bewitched. And Well, Corinth was a catastrophe when it comes to the church. And if something was wrong, um, listen, if there was something wrong in the church, the Corinthians were at it full blast. Okay, I mean, they, you know, they, we're not going to mess around with sort of flirting with sin. Let's just eyeball deep in the sucker and get right after it. Um, this church had a lot of problems. Um, and if you think about it, they received the greatest amount of rebuke of any other church in the New Testament. Well, what about Laodicea? Well, I'll show you some things. Okay, but yet with the greatest amount of rebuke, one of the things that you and I miss today, that was the greatest amount of love. Okay, love is something that admonishes. Uh, it rebukes sin when it's visible. Love does. Okay, it, listen, if you think about the Corinthian letters, 1 Corinthians has 16 chapters. 2 Corinthians um, has 13 chapters. All right? That is 29 chapters written to one church. If you take both letters, it is the largest by chapter letter in the New Testament. Okay? Matthew's only got 28. Okay, Luke. But first and second Corinthians, you got twenty-nine chapters. Um because Paul had a lot to say to them, and the reason was that they were in such a mess. Okay? Listen, I'll be honest with you, as as I was kind of pulling this all together, I really would not want twenty-nine chapters written to me about straightening me out. Okay? And if you look at both letters, um, the books, these two letters are loaded with rebuke. Um, but 
because of so much love is why there is so much rebuking. See, love calls to righteousness. Okay? And it will be unrelenting in its call to righteousness. Okay? If it's calling to righteousness, guess what it means it has to do? Rebuke. You have to rebuke. See, love says, here is the way, walk in it. Okay? And, and I just found that fascinating. And yet, I think a key to understanding the letter to the Corinthians comes out of chapter 4, verse 14. It says, I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. I mean, if you can read through the, a cursory reading of the letter of 1 Corinthians is like, Gee. I mean, what a bunch of arrogant, self-centered, puffed up whoa, people. And you call yourself a what? And yet he says, I'm not writing this. You got to remember first six chapters. He doesn't even deal what they're asking. He just blasts them. Both barrels. And yet he starts it out. He says, you are lacking in nothing. You have everything you need. But I'm not writing this to shame you. I'm writing this because of my love as beloved children. And I think if we look at that as the key, then, you know, I see people today who take the book of Corinthians and say, I want to be that way. And I'm sitting there going, well, you ain't read it. Because if you're being this way, you should say, ooh, sorry. <laughs> because he's saying, don't do these things. He says, I, 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 I'm not here to beat you down. It's written out of love. I, I'm wanting to admonish you to right behavior. Okay? See, he wanted them to stand in the blessings of God. And see, that's what love does. I mean, he's think about it. Where's the peak? 13. The love chapter. But I mean, he's already just, yeah, let's be realistic. Rubbed him raw. I mean, it's like God's proverbial Brillo pad. Okay. And, and he, let's, when it comes to rebuking 1 Corinthians and 2nd, ye, sign me up. Okay? Um, he, he wants to move them from their sinfulness. Have you ever thought about that? You, we who have children, uh, teach our children some profound do's and don'ts. And we usually do that because we want them to be protected. You know, don't go play in traffic, uh, you know, the, when they're reaching up on top of the stove, hot, and then they get to learn what the definition of hot is. I don't know what that means, Dad. Ow, hot, make a note. Okay, uh, but uh, it's, it's amazing because when I read this, and, and I think, if you look at this letter up to this point, I got 14 chapters on their behavior. 
Okay, and I mean, they, you talk about missing the mark. The word sin literally means to miss the mark. They weren't even aiming in the right direction. You know, if the target was there, they're shooting that way. And you have the 15th chapter because somebody comes in and says, well, I don't worry about it. There ain't, you, there ain't no resurrection anyway. And you're like, what? All right, so now we're closing. Okay, so if you think about it from that perspective, now then hang out there with chapter 16. Okay, and I believe if you look at the text and you're truly honest with the context, chapter 15, verse 58 is the therefore for the entire letter. All right? Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. And I believe that you could have literally shut the letter down there. But he wanted to tell him about the giving of the offering for the saints in Jerusalem. Okay, so verse 58 is the therefore. And then he says, but I've got a few words. It's almost like a P.S. P.S. Postscript. A few words concerning the collection. A few words on how... I do the work of ministry. A few words on certain things going on in the church. But he sticks in here verses 13 and 14. And when you, the, I think the thing that hit me in these two verses, I, I have been reading the letter 1 Corinthians for almost nine years every day. Okay? And I just sit down and read it. I mean, it wasn't, you know, what does the exegete the text or anything. I'm just reading it. It's a letter. Okay? And I've gotten kind of used to it after nine years every day. You kind of, well, I don't know what they're saying here. All right? And, and But I, I think that you and I would really benefit if we would do this more often because you get into the repetitiveness and you start dropping things that clutter your way like this is chapter 11 or this is chapter 14 because you're starting to read it as it was originally written and it was originally written as a letter. Okay, and so you back away from it and I have now looked at it as this is a man who had an overwhelming passion and love for this group of people and was a little ticked off that they had kind of wandered off the reservation. But he wanted them to stand in the blessings that are in Christ Jesus. And he says, you need to get your, you know, your, 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 your blinders off and get your fingers out of your eyeballs. Whatever your problem is, you need to go out and bury your egos somewhere in a deep ditch. And understand what you're doing here. And what is amazing is, you go cruising through this text, and all of a sudden here in 13 and 14, you get blasted by five commands. Listen, what I mean is, you know, they say, well, in the original language, these are imperatives. Do you know what that means? These are non-optional. It's not like, 
you know, quit being of Apollos or quit being of Paul or you're goofy thinking that single people are more spiritual than married people. And you're goofy if you think married people are more. And, and you know, I can't believe you're abusing the Lord's table. You have your love feast and, and the people are eating the best food first. And when the poor gets there, there's nothing. But, you know, and that's that's just a you guys are awful about that. But all of a sudden he sits here and it's just these in the if you go to secular Greek, these are military commands. And if you've ever been in the military or you know somebody in the military, how negotiable are military commands? And I mean, I don't care how stupid the command is, it's still a command. And you can get your proverbial button a ringer if you, oh, that sounds dumb. Okay. Um, you know what? It may be done, but you're stepping into a whole new case of misery. <laughs> and you can sit the whole time of this misery and say, boy, that was dumb. Okay? And that's the style of the writing that just lays out here in 13 and 14. And I, that fascinated me. That fascinated me. These are demands. And I believe, if you wanted to call it principles for powerful living or powerful living um the reason that I say that is because as I looked at this, okay, through the screen of the rest of the book, this is the positive side of all the negatives of the first 15 chapters. It's, see, when God points out things in your life that are offensive to Him, you will read it as a command to stop. But you know what's amazing about God? He never says, don't do something without giving you something to do to replace it. Does that make sense? All right. And, and, and I watched Christians flounder with this. And then I looked at it and I sat here going, I got 15 chapters of whip your butt. And then I've got these two little verses with these five commands that reverse everything that I have just beat you ragged with. But you got to do these. And that's what he's getting at. Just do these five things. And you sit there and go, well, wow. Okay, so let's look at these five. You want a powerful ministry? You want a powerful life for Christ? That, you know, and everybody was like, well, Terry, I believe that that's, you're kind of, you're condensing the whole Christian life into five commands. I can condense it into one. <laughs> so <laughs> you you don't have, you don't have to worry about it. I can make it so simple that you sit there and go, "Well, that just doesn't seem right." Because we like to complicate things, don't we? All right, and yet the Christian life, he says, you can't handle if I complicate it. So I'm gonna keep it simple. Five things. First one on your list. What did you say? Be on the alert. You know, the world needs more alerts. Okay, now be on the alert. You know what's amazing about this word? It's Gregata. Okay, it's a word we get Gregory from. Um, and you know what it means? Watch. Be watchful. You know, I go through the scriptures and I say, okay, where is this word at? And I go cruising around and it can be used in the physical sense. Um, sometimes you'll see it translated awaken. They're like, get up. <laughs> okay, pay attention. 
All right. And I see it in a physical sense. Be awake versus asleep. All right. But I see it some other ways in First uh, Thessalonians chapter five, verse 10. Who died for us. So that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. All right. Speaking of Christ and it's speaking of our death versus alive. Okay. And so that was, that's literally physical. That's what he's talking about. But he also uses it in the same text, chapter five, verse six. Don't. So then let us not sleep as the others do. But let us be awake, alert, sober, sober. Pay attention. Be awake. Sober-minded. Okay? Thinking clearly. You know, you're wake up in the morning and you're sort of on a, oh, man, and what day is it? And you're trying to figure out, am I supposed to be someplace? And if I am, am I late already or am I just way too early? And, you know, when they throw that time change thing in there and you, why is it so bright out? And why does it feel so early or why is it so dark out and it feels so late? And, and, and all that stuff that you go through and you kind of got that fuzzy thing. My wife, we've been married now for 20 some odd years and uh, <laughs> I almost got caught. Uh, and and she knows that in the morning, you know, until he gets coffee in him. You can converse with him and he will not acknowledge anything. He just goes through and coffee and pours it in and goes out and where's he going? He's in there. He'll be in a minute. <laughs> you know, and then he kind of gets it up, you know, and I got to get the blood running and, you know, get your blink in your eyes like, here we go again. <laughs> this is like the proverbial rat race. But once you get going, you start thinking about it, huh? And there's times when it's like really important. Like if you're up hunting, you wake up wide awake, clear. I'm ready. Probably because you're sleeping outside and it's cold. This word that we get Gregory, the name Gregory from, is used 20 time, 22 times in the New Testament. Uh, and it refers to Christians. Okay. Listen, I want you to think about something here. This is one little word here. The Christian life must be a lie, life of alertness. Okay? We have got to be awake. We have got to be alert. We have got to be paying attention. We have got to be of sober mind. Those are all synonymous. Okay? To understand what's going on and to evaluate it. What the heck is going on? And how do I make a decision based on it? To be aware of what is our adversary doing. See, you can't live the Christian life in a state of a stupor. You know, cloudy, foggy. And if you go back and, and, and just a brisk reading of Corinthians, these people were in a serious case of foggy. They were not awake. They were not alert. They were not paying attention. In chapter 11, verse 21, they were literally getting drunk at the Lord's table. That is really not a person who's paying attention. Okay? They're not aware. Okay? They were in a stupor. Uh, one of the reasons that you shouldn't get drunk 
is that you no longer are alert to what's going on. Um, and if you're in that position as a Christian, what's your Christian life doing? You're clueless. Listen, I'm not. A, if you look at the Corinthians and you think about this, be alert. Do you understand? They were not alert to Satan. He says, if you join yourself with a harlot, guess what? You become one flesh with her. And you have defiled Christ because Christ is with you. You're not paying attention. Well, you know what that means, right? You know what the implication is, right? Some were. Some were. And he said, there and go, well, how can you? Oh, yeah, but they don't know. They're not alert to needs. Look around the body of Christ today. Do you know what's going on in the body of Christ? You know, I've had people come up to me out of the clear blue and say, well, I didn't know that was happening. Now, whose fault is that? Perhaps you're not alert. Not alert. I mean, the Corinthians were not alert to anything. I mean, you know, they were walking around. Um... You know what? And the, 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 a good reason not to take anything that's going to bring you under its power to blind you from being alert. I don't care what it is. So, you know, part of it in the Corinthian church was definitely a physical drunkenness. Okay? Uh, they were in a physical stupor. But I don't believe that that's Paul's major point here. I believe that they were in a spiritual stupor. Okay, they were not alert. They were not awake. They were not paying attention. They did not have their faculties all operating. And yet it says when it comes to spiritual gifts, what were they lacking in? Nothing. Okay, let me tell you something. They were not alert, and that is a deadly situation for a Christian. As you talk to various Christians... As you talk to various churches where the Bible is not lifted up and taught and exalted, you will find that there will be a lack of understanding. And there will be a lack of understanding on the basis of basic spiritual principles. And you will find a congregation or an individual or situation where their life is a stupor. They never really do know what's going on. Anybody run into Christians like that? You can give them a simple truth, and it's all, it's like, wow! And you sit there and go, wait a minute, that's simple. I believe that this is alive and well in the church today because most people look at the letter to the Corinthians and think what? Well, that text there teaches about spiritual gifts. Really? <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't at all. It is a letter of rebuke. I want you to think about it. So you got these five, and I'm looking at alert. Be alert. Okay, but I want you to go backwards and I want you to think about something on how he just absolutely blasts this. Go to chapter 5, verse 6. Okay, I want you to be alert, he says. Be alert. Be awake. Be sober. 
What does he say in verse 6? Your boasting is not good. Do you not know? Get it? Look at verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but not all. I will not be what? Mastered by any. You know what he's implying here? The Corinthians are mastered by everything. Everything was leading them. Why? Because you don't know. Look at chapter 6, verse 2. Do you not know? Does any one of you? Look at verse... uh, 12 of chapter 5. Do you not judge those who are within the church? Why are you taken outside of the church? You should. No, you are going to judge angels. You know what he's telling them? Same thing we said about the church today. You don't know. You don't know. And I don't know why you don't know. Chapter 6, verse 3. Do you not know? Verse 4. Do you appoint them as judges who are of no account in the church? Why? You don't even know what the courts are for. You don't even... Do you not know that you will judge? Verse 9. Do you not... Know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor the drunkards, nor the revelers, nor the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now let me ask you a stupid question. Why wouldn't you know that? But listen to the church today. The church is walking around going, I don't know that. Where? What? That's not deep theology. It's a simple statement. But I go today and say, you don't know? You know what that means? You're real alert. Okay, Your alarm didn't go off, did it? Hey... Look at verse 15, chapter 6. What does he say? (laughs) Do you not know? Your bodies are the members of Christ. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Now, you know what that means, right? Somebody did it. And he says, (laughs) you don't know? Verse 16. Do you not know? That the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? Verse 19. What does it say? Do you not know that your body is the temple of the living God? You know what the problem was? (laughs) They didn't know. And yet they were touting their ignorance. Look how spiritual we are. Listen, you can't be alert if you don't know. 
You know, and I watch people say, well, you know, I go to church every once in a while. So you're telling me you don't know. I love living in a stupor. It just makes life easier. Really? Look at chapter 8, verse 9. Take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. Have you ever thought about that? What liberty? What liberty? You know, well, he was talking about things offered to idols. Some people were saying, you know what? You eat these things offered to idols, you just swallowed a demon. Really? Do you not know? Okay, but be careful. All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. Okay, oh, did you not know? Chapter 10, verse 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. Why? Be alert. Why? You think you're standing. What's your problem? Perhaps I'll fall. Perhaps I'll fall. You know, I remember reading about James, the Lord's half-brother, the first pastor of the first church and they when he died they called him camel knees he had calluses on his knees and he got it because he was always in prayer you know what prayer shows me humility think about it when we really pray and we really pray hard it's usually because (laughs) there's a great big flushing sound and i can't seem to get it to stop Right? I mean, when you run out of your own resources, your own abilities, you have a tendency to be fervent in your prayer. But if you're truly honest with yourself, you want to see fervent prayer, then guess what? Be humble. I tell people, I said, you know what? You are either humble or going to be humbled. And that's what prayer is. You know, and yet I watch people, do you take heed? Are you alert? Are you paying attention? 12.1. Let me show you 12.1. We always think about this. Concerning spiritual gifts. Amen, brother. What does he say? I do not want you to be unaware. You know what the implication is? They were unaware. You know what that means? They got their alerts are gone. They're clueless. They're in a stupor. And you know what? If you look at this church, 29 chapters rebuking these people, and what you have to say is they got a mess, and not only are they in a stupor, they haven't even begun to blink. I can almost summarize this book in chapter 6, verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful to me, but I will not be what? I will not be mastered by anything. Okay, if you look at the Corinthians, guess what? They were under the power of everything. They weren't alert. They weren't paying attention. Okay, uh, they had bought into every phony human philosophy that man could throw down the pike. Look at the church today. What is it? It's human philosophy. 
It's all it is. You know what? I remember a great pastor told me a couple of years ago, he says, the church is trying things right now that having even had time to fail in the secular world. And you're sitting there going, well, there's an interesting idea. Why would the church be affected by a recession? Do you ever think about that? Every, every day we have an ongoing global ministry and I hear these people that we're working with, their money's all drying up. And I keep thinking, why? Why would the church be affected by man's recession? I can tell you why. Did you not know that where you lay up your treasure is where your heart is? Oh, you did? And you did it anyway. They were victims because they were not paying attention. You know what? I, I, I asked myself, did they have resources for this? Sure they did. You are lacking in nothing, the Apostle Paul says early. But in chapter 15, verse 34, he says it this way. Become sober-minded as you ought and stop sinning as some who have no knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Now remember, he says, I don't want to shame you. He says, but I want you to understand this. Be sober-minded. What does that mean? Get out of the stupor. Be alert. Pay attention. Why? Because you need to quit acting like those who don't know God. Why? You know God. You are the church in Corinth. See, he's calling them to be awake. Pay attention. Believers are to be alert. You'll never live the Christian life in victory by running around ignorant. You'll never can function on... on, You can't function on principles you don't know what the principles are. And I don't know Christian is in a lot of trouble. If you don't know what your faith is in, you're in serious trouble. Why? We are warned. Do not be tossed to and fro. I listen to stuff that is out there in pastorate settings where pastors are, and I say, oh my God. I remember preaching a message out of Acts on where the Apostle Paul said goodbye to the Ephesian elders and he made this statement. I have not, the blood of innocent man is not on my hands. I have not forsaken the full counsel of God. And I said, we have got to get back to reading the text and explaining the text, then reading the text and explaining the text. And I had pastors in big churches here in Colorado come up to me and say, well, you're wrong. We share the gospel through ballet. Well, how does that work? And I am grateful that ain't how God said to do it because I hate ballet and I've never gotten saved. <laughs> that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Well, it's more than just preaching. Really? Paul said through the foolishness of preaching. I don't understand. Well, you know, you, you've got to move out. You've got to be more of a communicator than a preacher. Really? Excuse me? 
And I listen to that stuff and I say, you guys are clueless. Now, I don't say that, but in my mind, I'm going, oh, man, you got a whole world full of who? Listen, I have seen so many churches and Christians and pastors who forfeit the joy of being in the will of God, the joy of seeing how God blesses you when you are in his will. And the reason is they don't know his will. And it's real easy to find. It's in the Bible and it says, this is the will of God for you. I never really had any problem finding it. You can take the average concordance and find it all over. This is the will of God for you. Oh, here you go. And I don't understand why there seems to be a problem with that. And yet I watch people who go through these lives absolutely beaten down, tossed to and fro, going from one experience to another emotional high to an emotional low, and they get run over by everything that comes down the pike. And the reason is they're in a stupor. They have no clue. New Testament says a lot about what we are to watch out for. And to watch for. Be awake. Watch for this. I've got six easy ones for you. Alright? One. Watch out for Satan. Okay? First Peter 5.8 He roar. He is like a what? Roaring lion. Looking for someone to devour. Listen, brothers and sisters. Satan is not that difficult. He has three plays. That's it. If you played on a football team and your opponent ran three plays, that's all they had. Oh, thinking that I can probably take this. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Or it could be the pride of life, lust of the eyes, or lust of the flesh. Or it could be lust of the heart, lust... That is it. All you have to do is stop and look at it. God's will for you is what? Be sanctified. Hmm. If this thing is appealing to my eyes, it is appealing to my pride, it is appealing to my flesh, I'm betting that it won't sanctify me. Okay? That ain't hard. You do not have... Well, the Greek lexicon says... There ain't nothing Greek about it. That's common sense. If you look at something and it stirs you, shut it. Well, you know how much pornography there is on the website? Oh, and they've got the screen tied to your head? Shut the thing off. It would be the off button. If that don't work, you can do like, I reset my computer, just unplug it. <laughs> Plug it back in. Look, reset. All the things were lost. So? I don't, uh, the reason that this frustrates me is the simplicity is this. Be alert. Do you really? He's looking for someone to desire, devour. He is a roaring lion. You know what's amazing about lions? They don't roar until they got something. All right? And it means if he's a roaring lion, he's easy. We catch so easy. Why? It's less of the eyes, less of the flesh, pride of life. Okay? Three plays. There's three traps out there for you. And me. Just three. 
be alert. Second thing, watch for temptation. I know that seems odd. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, Mark 14, verse 38 says this. (laughs) Keep watching and praying that you may not come into temptation. Spirit is willing, flesh is weak. What are the three plays that Satan uses against you? Lust of the eyes, lust of the who? Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he says, you know what? Keep watching. You know what that implies, right? All right? Listen, you know the simplicity of keeping watching and praying is? It's just this simple. Okay? What do you expose yourself to? That's all it is. I mean, you can hear it, or you can see it, or you can smell it, you can taste it. You keep overexposing yourself to it, guess what? You'll act just like it. Third thing. Watch for apathy and indifference. Okay? Apathy and indifference. Revelations chapter 3 speaks of a church of Sardis. And Jesus says, you have a name, but you are dead. Church of Sardis. And he says, watch and strengthen that which remains. You know what happened to church of Sardis? Felt like they had arrived. They didn't have to do anything. Got it all done. I read my Bible. I read it from cover to cover. I even memorized the maps. Let's go, Jesus. I see Christians today who fall into apathy and indifference. Listen, you had a whole church of Sardis and it just floated off. You know what? I can see, I've seen Christians and I cannot tell you how many it breaks my heart. But Christians that become self-content, apathetic, indifferent, and they just float off. Lord told them he will come as a thief in the night. Okay? That's what he tells Sardis. I'm going to come. You don't know when. But I can tell you this, if you use the metaphor that Jesus uses, when do you watch for the thief? When you think he's going to come. But what happens? You become indifferent, complacent, apathetic. And guess what? You get stolen blind. Just when you think you've got it figured out. Listen, when you get to a place that you are comfortable with your sin... You no longer are trying to face it. You're no longer trying to deal with it. You are in real trouble. Now listen, I got to be specific about this. Your sin. Okay? Because your sin you know. And when you become complacent with it, and you decide that I'm not fighting it, or I'm not even going to face it, guess what? You're dead meat. You'll start hearing lions roar. And figure out that it is your butt in his mouth. Anyway, fourth thing. Watch out for false teachers. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. People will come along not teaching sound doctrine. Did you know that? 
Did you know that there's actually people in the church today that are teaching error? Did you know that there are pastors that are teaching error? It'll even get to the point Paul told Timothy where men will turn their ears from truth and will not want to hear sound doctrine. I wonder when that time's coming. They will heap to themselves teachers that tickle their ears and their people want it so. I wonder when that's coming. See, you be aware and watch for false teachers, false doctrine. Why? I will keep my mind alert. I'll keep my mind alert. The other thing you need to do when you're watching. Prayer. Prayer. First Peter chapter four, verse seven. Ephesians chapter six, verse 18. Okay. Listen, I love you guys. I'm going to be as generous and as gentle as I can be right now. So, duck. Okay, that's, that's a, the warning. All right. You can't pray without knowing what's going on. Okay. Here's, here's the illustration I think of. Lord, I'm praying for world peace. Excuse me? <laughs> Is it working? <laughs> okay. Well, I'm praying for the missionaries where? What if they're a bunch of false teachers? Oh. Okay. You've got to know what's going on if you're going to pray. You're, you're not going to believe this, but God wants you and I to pray about specific issues. Specifically. Right on the button. He doesn't want generality. He doesn't, this great big Lord, may your gospel go forth. That ain't what he prays for. Why? Because you know what? He doesn't share his glory. You pray specifically, guess what? He shows you what he does and who gets the glory. If I get into generality, I can say, oh, you know what? We made like $2 million last year. I put a million dollars in the tracks and his gospel went forward. No, that ain't the way it works. You pray specific. You can't pray if you don't know what's going on. You know, one of the things you want to be humbled, go through and look at all of Paul's prayers. Okay. You know, what's amazing about Paul's prayers? You will not find him praying for anything temporal. <laughs> Everything he prays for is eternal. How many do we pray for this temporal? Okay. Sixth thing. Watch for the Lord's return. Watch for the Lord's return. Matthew chapter 24, verse 42. Matthew 25, verse 13. You know not the day nor the hour. Watch. Watch. See, we need to have lives that are paying attention, that are alert. Watch our lives. Listen, do you realize you only have so much time to do what the Lord would have you to do? Now, I want you to think about what I just give you. It's, it's, it's a little partial list. There's some others, but I want you to think about this. Okay, the Corinthians were not alert. They were in a stupor. Listen, let's think about what I just went through. They were victimized by Satan. They were watching for a roaring lion. They were victimized by temptation. They were victimized by apathy and indifference. 
They were victimized by false teachers. They were victimized for prayerlessness. And they were definitely, definitely not ready for the Lord's return. Let me ask you a question. If you knew that Jesus Christ is coming back this Friday, okay, he's coming back this Friday to redeem all the saints, would your life change? Would you do things different? This week, I better start praying more because he's coming back and, you know, I'm going to be ashamed. You know what it says? You have been victimized by temptation, indifference, false teachers, and prayerlessness. And Satan. Because if you're really on it, guess what? It doesn't matter when he shows up. Whether it's this Friday or 2,000 more years from this Friday. Or if it's this afternoon, my life will stand before him because I will hear, well done, true and faithful servant. They were even denying the resurrection. Now, whether it was a, a complete corporate thing or someone had introduced it and they were saying, wow, that's, that's interesting. And I hear that today. You know, that, that document that came out, it says, well, we're going to do creation science. Really? Okay, knock yourself out. Would you like to sign the document? No. It's a waste of good ink. Paul says you will reverse all of this if you just get alert. Alert to our adversary. Alert to our temptations. Alert to apathy and indifference. Alert to false teachers and false doctrine. Alert to being prayerless. Alert to the Lord's imminent return. Listen, brothers and sisters, you are but a heartbeat away from seeing Him anyway. Wake up. Okay, how? All the warning you need to know is in the Word of God. I can't make you read it. I can't make you search it. I can't make you meditate on it. But you want to be alert. You want the warnings that are in Scripture. Watch and look in this book and then walk. Word of the Lord is profitable. For doctrine, for instruction in righteousness, and it will only make you perfect. That's what Paul told Timothy. The psalmist put it this way. It will only perfect your soul. That's all. What else out there is going to do that? Nothing. See, just getting the word is your wisdom. And with that wisdom... You will watch. Father, thank you for your word. Father, thank you for my brother Paul who laid down such phenomenal stuff in such simplistic manner through your power and your purposes. Father, may we who are called by your name bow before this in such a way that we just rest and rejoice. Lord, these are tough times and we praise you and we thank you that it is for such a time as this that you've put us here. Please, Father, help us to hear. Help us to see. In Christ, in Christ alone. Amen.